following podcast contains adult materials such as swearing and mathematics. We'll let you decide which is scarier. Moreover, we of course know everything about the presenter mathematics. But if you think we've made a mistake, think of it as an application of Cunningham's Law. The best way to get the right answer on the internet is to post the wrong one. That's our excuse, and we're sticking with it. at the movies where simply put where two xeno paradox deniers and a zaftig <laughs> who try to critique films with a mathematical bent joining me now and forevermore is the zoophagus ben parker and the zealous liz how are you guys well, i didn't understand I, I, any no, of that i didn't i didn't know what they meant so i don't know whether i'm offended or not i know what, <laughs> well, i know what zealous is and that's all right okay that, well, this is the thing. Um, I've been waiting to use Zaftig for a while now. What does it I mean? I knew you wouldn't know what it meant. So I'm going to let you Google that and get angry at me later for, for describing you as Zaftig. Ladies okay. and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast that you need a dictionary to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> a dictionary and a calculator. Yes. Um, so there are a few things we want. I want to clear up just before we do get into ooh, the main thrust of the podcast. So, uh, yes, we have, we have things to talk about. So... Um, with the, let's just mention, so this week we're going to be talking about The Oxford Murders, uh, a film that uh, is a film. We can all agree it's a film. Is it, though? Um, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's... It, I, I, it, there's, it, surely there's a point where it stops being a film. And starts being... A crime against film. <laughs> wow. Fair enough. Fair enough. Wow. Well, well, we'll talk about it in a few seconds. Firstly, I want to just chat about a couple of things. The first one... The uh, the con- the the problem we had the the point of contention about the twenty fifth chocolate. Oh no, contention calendar. at all. Hashtag yes twenty five. Well, um, no, Ben. I thought you were sitting on the fence. Uh, I, well, I, I think I was a proponent of twenty five actually, but I, I can't remember. So the question was: I mean, this is our first podcast recording of the new year. Happy New Year, by oh, yes, the way. Happy, happy New Year. year. Happy, happy New Year. This will probably go out in June. But happy Easter, anyway, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> And a Merry Michaelmas as well. But, um, in our Christmas special, um, I posited the fact that Advent calendars in my youth used to have 25 doors. So you had 24 doors for Advent and, and one extra bonus door that you opened on Christmas Day. So there seems to be a dichotomy um, which uh, between Advent calendars that have 25 doors and those which have 24. And indeed, you know, indeed. Surely this must be something which our, our listeners had a view on, I thought. Uh, as I say, on the pro side, having a 25th door was myself. Yeah. On the con side was Liz. She, you, you thought it was a bad sign. Well, it's just, it, you don't need one on Christmas Day. You've got other stuff. <laughs> and it, well, yeah, it, just little... it adds to the excitement of Christmas Eve that you finish your advent calendar. And there was always a picture of Father Christmas behind the 24 door, which was so exciting because he was going to come. <laughs> right. What were the results anyway, Tom? Well, I mean, I... Right, so we, we had... Numerous people, a, a, a number. It was a definite number of people who tweeted at us wow. and, and f- posted on Facebook. Okay, and for a long time it was a draw. Wow, even number of pros, even number of cons. But yep. finally, we had someone break the tie, and I'm happy to say, yes, twenty fifth door takes Whoa, it. We should all have doors. the chocolate. So, um, do you know? I actually spoke about this to somebody who. Um, 
it, you know, I, I was having a conversation with uh, in a pub with somebody about this. Yes, you know, yeah. as you do. I was, but you know, doing my normal course, rant about what happened. <laughs> and she was like, "Well, they don't have twenty-five doors." And I was like, "Well, how would you know?" And she was like, "Well, I, I work for a company that makes advent calendars." No, way! <laughs> what are the chances? Wow. What are the chances? Well, I, okay, so you actually have a direct line to these people. Tell them we have a number of listeners who want that twenty-fifth door. Well, well, yes, uh, they're they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's not bring this up. We'll be here till next Christmas. I mean, um, one, the- one thing one thing I would mention is that um, there's a slightly more popular hashtag Yes25 on Twitter, which seems oh, really? to be in support of, of some sort of young socialist mo- movement. So I think we should just clarify oh, really? that we have no view <laughs> on the young socialist movement. <laughs> it was merely to do with, with advent calendars. Yes. Uh, yeah, we're just purely looking at chocolate. I want more chocolate. Well, maybe we, sh- maybe we should tweet the young socialists and ask them what their view is. On. <laughs> Add a How ironic if they said no, they didn't like it. But anyway, um, right. So the second point I wanted to get to was the last podcast that was released uh, was the Christmas episode, which yes. was very nice. And I had to leave that podcast for a little while as you talked about uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, yeah. um, I, what a wonderful film. I, I watched it the day before I edited the podcast and then I edited the podcast. And I've got to say, I agree with Liz completely on what? this. What? Okay. So again, the two viewing points were, Ben, you enjoyed it. You thought it's the, the spirit of Christmas. And Absolutely. Liz and I think it's a waste of time. No, 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 You are enormously misrepresenting my view. I think it's a lovely film. It's very good. It's very uplifting. However, I just was quite frustrated at the very end because I felt that there should be an extra level of of correction in their situation. I don't want to give this away. We worked so hard. We worked so hard not to spoil it in the last one. I think you can spoil it. I think it was released in 1948 or something. If people haven't seen it now, but no, but Ben, that's so annoying. Do you know what? It really annoys me when you pick up something like Oliver Twist and you read the back and they're like, "Oh well, it's a classic. Everyone will have read it." And you're like, "If it's a classic, it's probably because it's quite good." Hang on, hang on. Ironically, there is no twist as far as I know in Oliver Twist. I read Great Expectations for the first time over Christmas. Oh, I did you? Yeah, it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> uh, there we go. We fell into that. Fell into that. Thanks that. for playing, by the way. Uh, but it's a wonderful life. But no, I, I just agree with Liz that I, I, the problem is the ending. So you get all the way through this film and then the ending lets you down. So it's a huge waste of time for all me. All right. So well, I, I, demand, I demand we do a, a maths app time travel at some point and we, can, we, will, we, can, we will. We can bring that in. Anyway, so there was a third point. And uh, so, Liz, did you actually listen to our Christmas podcast? I did actually. Yes. I, do you know what? I not only listened to that one, but I listened to one, a couple of the others I had listened to that either. <laughs> and what, well, what did you think? Oh, I enjoyed it very much. Um, I think. Um, I enjoyed Mar Willie's intervention a great deal. Oh, there we go. That's what I, that's what I was fishing Willie. for. That's yeah. what I was fishing for. Um, because yeah. she's, she's been ringing, ringing me up every day since she did that, saying, has, has Liz mentioned anything? Has Liz mentioned anything? Uh, I was, honestly, I was very excited about the arrival of Mar Willie. What was, what was great about Mar Willie was that she managed to replace the fictional The Rain in the uh, precursor 
to our, our, our podcast. So, you know, listeners, you would have just heard presumably the rain saying, you know, something about, uh, you know, don't write in if you've got any problems. And But for Christmas, um, uh, Scrooge Woolley gave his fictional wife the day off. Um, in order that he could get a, an elderly lady in to do the podcast. And I thought she did it very well. Oh, I've got a mathematical thing. A thing happened today. Oh, good. They found a new prime number. Oh, they yes, they did. did not. Good, yes. Was yes, it 12? <laughs> it wasn't 12. It turns out it's been prime all along. <laughs> no yeah, one, we just haven't noticed. No noticed. It's all very embarrassing. <laughs> so who was they? Who was they? Well, it's to do with GIMPs, the Great Internet Mar- Mersenne Prime Number Search. Oh, right, so Did you yes. know about the list, this, Liz? Uh, I hadn't before, but I was. I I read about it. I I went, oh, a math story, and I read it because now I'm interested in mathematics. Excellent. Well, the, the interesting thing we I heard about this many years ago when I came to uh, an open day. I think it was at um, uh, Nottingham, Nottingham University. I went to an open day there, and they told us about the Great Internet Mersenne Prime Number Search. The acronym being GIMPs. So I went home and searched on the internet for GIMPs. Oh, <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> and that is sadly true. Dear. I grew a lot in that day. Yeah. <laughs> in more ways than one. Um, <laughs> so it's not just a prime number. It's the largest prime number ever found. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. Okay. So, so the, this way, is... the way that it works, this, this internet prime number search, is that it uses the downtime of your computer. So if you're not using your computer, you put this piece of software on and it uh, uses the, the, the CPU to check prime, no- well, possible prime numbers whilst you're not using it. And how do you check for a prime number? The only sure way is using the Civ Erastosthenes. And that is essentially dividing every number into it that you can do. Right. So, but there are other ways of checking that it might be prime. So there's a good. So if it passes one test, then you go to another test and another test, and another a test, and then finally you, you check it. But the, these these prime numbers in the Great Internet Mersenne Prime Number Search, the GIMPs, they are of a special form. They're two to the power big number minus one, and those those prime numbers have a very special form that you can check easily. I'm not quite sure of the checking, but they have a way of checking easily. I see. And when we say easily, you know, it takes hundreds of seconds rather than a. Well, it takes a huge um, distributed attack on these things because it's not just one computer. People around the world have GIMPs running on their computer. Um, but it's, it, you know, I'm glad people are still trying to find them. Yes. Yeah, no, it's, it's very useful for reasons. Well, I, actually, the guy who found it was kind of quoted as saying... It's not very useful, <laughs> but it's, it's a, he said it, it's like climbing a mountain. You just sort of do it. Yeah. It's there. You know there are an infinite number of them out there. And if you find one, it will always be known as your prime. So, Can I find one? I'm like, yeah. Oh, like I say, you just download this piece of software on any computer. I would quite like to have a um, have some mathematicians discover a new prime number so I don't have to do it. But then name it after me. Hashtag Liz's prime. <laughs> well, this is what the people used to do. They, they You, you had... Um... Uh, benefactors and patrons so they they would pay you to do the maths but then you'd name it after your patron oh i don't have any money <laughs> um, uh, that's the problem it will just have to be for my respect and gratitude <laughs> so it's really difficult now because you're sitting there not using your computer trying to decide what to spend your computer's efforts on or is it better just to switch it off and save the planet well all i can say is my computer's full of gimps <laughs> and with that shall we go to the movie zone yes okay. wow to the movie zone this week 
rewatched The Oxford Murders, which stars Elijah Wood as a, uh, a PhD student who arrives at Oxford without a supervisor. <laughs> he arrives at Oxford hoping to meet and be mentored by his hero, who is a mathematician called Arthur Selden. John Hurt! <laughs> Again, good cast. Oh, great cast. I mean, yeah, they all had a good go. <laughs> <laughs> During his time in Oxford, Elijah Wood's can I just call him Frodo? Yes, you can call him Frodo. Uh, so <laughs> that makes it so much better, actually. <laughs> Interestingly enough, the John Hurt character was actually Andy Circus in a motion capture suit. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Oh, <laughs> anyway, his landlady is, is murdered, leading to him and Arthur Selden, the, the, the professor, investigating the crime. I know, it was so weird. Who... Who asked them to be part of this? They just stopped well, they're just turning suddenly, up. Suddenly, they're at the police station being like, hey, um, we're, we're now part of this police team. Anyway, there, there's a series, well, there appear to be a series of murders um, which are perpetrated by a serial killer who leaves a mathematical clue at each one. Meanwhile, he meets a woman who seems to play squash in the most inappropriate bra you could ever play squash in. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice. But let let me tell you, now. if you play squash, you're going to wear a sports bra. You're not going to wear a push-up bra. Every woman in this film wants to get into Elijah Wood's pants. Why? He just turns up and says, hello, I'm Elijah Wood. <laughs> to be fair, I think there's probably quite a few people in the real world that have tried, uh, tried to uh, get friendly with Frodo. <laughs> <laughs> him and him and this professor run around trying to stop these murders with the police. They then find the killer, but not in time to prevent him killing a bus full of children with disabilities, which I found really distasteful. Yeah, um, that was not a fun scene to watch. It, well, it, it, it was it. just I, I I don't know. I just found it really uncomfortable and. I don't know, kind of manipulative and a bit exploitative. I don't know. Well, if you noticed, if you did watch right until the end in the credits, they do thank all the parents and the children uh, of, of the people who are on the bus. But I agree with you. It's just, what What are you... I think that for me, the whole film is, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? So they think they've solved it until right at the end when Elijah Wood is about to run off with in inappropriate bra woman. <laughs> That's a great superhero, heroine. <laughs> she would be a wonderful... She's always wearing the wrong bra. <laughs> it, you have no idea the difficulties of, of, you know, wearing... Someone says, oh, do you want to go for a run? You're like, no, can't. <laughs> ben, do you know the difficulty? <laughs> Let me go back to the plot. Anyway, to finish the plot, he's about to, he's about to run off with, with Miss... Uh, wrong bra. <laughs> they uh, and he realizes that all along Arthur Seldom has been playing him and pretending that um, there's a serial killer on the loose when actually people have just been dying of natural causes. Yes! Um, and the whole thing is to cover up that the first murder was committed by the old woman's daughter, who Arthur Seldom would like to protect. Uh, no, 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 no. You, you say protect. There was a lot more subtext to the just protect. He was interested in her in more ways than just Another protect. not great film for women. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming this one does not pass the Bechdel test. I think the Bechdel test is the least of our worries in this movie. <laughs> it's true. It's got to be a point. You know what, you know, for me, what the most unbelievable thing about this whole film was? Was right. it the wrong bra in the squash court? That, that, that was one yes. thing. But no, this is a film of coincidences piling up. So it does stretch reality to its bare bones. 
But no, the biggest thing that shocked me was at one point, Elijah Wood takes his bike, parks his bike. <laughs> doesn't lock it. And it doesn't get stolen. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> he, he just leaves it outside of building. So you I two... left a bike locked up and it got stolen. <laughs> oh, I mean, that happened to me a few times as well. Yeah. You two being Oxfordians, you know, what with this film and Inspector Morse? Like, does, did it not make you worry every time you went outside? There was a lot of death in Oxford. A lot of death in that. Uh, uh, no. Oh, um, can, I, can I just make a connection here with Lewis? So, Ma Woolley is, an, is actually in an episode of Lewis. No way. She is in the final ever episode. And I'm not just talking in the background somewhere. She got full frontal FaceTime. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. so, I think Ben and I have the same moment of, of confusion there. FaceTime. Okay. Because they, they were filming in the maths department. The whole episode was about the murder. We might do this episode on your maths at TV. But there was an episode where the uh, murdered victim was a not theorist. And my mum said, I want to be an episode of Lewis. And I was like, no, it's not going to happen. Oh, wait, they're filming an episode in the maths department. I'll see what I can wow. do. Wow. And my mum and dad just sat around the maths department all day. And she got talking to the director. And he said, could I be in this epi- this, this scene? And go, yeah, go on. Go on, in for it. And oh. he thought, yep, to save 50 quid or an extra fee? No problem whatsoever. <laughs> she didn't get any fee whatsoever. That's a good point. Absolutely. Hashtag um, reasons Marwilly is my hero. <laughs> should, we, should we play a, a small bit of the trailer? Oh, yeah. That man was not mad. What was so important that he would risk his life for it? The enigma that he tried to decipher was the following. Can we know the truth? A overseas student. What are you doing here? I live here. What's your excuse? Visit an old friend. I received a note during the conference. What did it say? The first of the series. Logical series with serial murders. So you mean there's, there's going to be another murder after this one? I'm afraid so. I'm scared. If we manage to discover the secret meaning of numbers, we will know the secret meaning of reality. Circle, fish, tell me what the third symbol is. perfect crime that exists is not the one that remains unsolved but the one which is solved with the wrong culprit So I think that trailer sort of sums up the the, the, the confusion in the movie. Really, are you sure that wasn't the trailer for Pi? I, I mean, they're very similar. It was about as nonsensical. But, as essentially, pie. a series of murders happen, and a couple of mathematicians try to find the sequence while trying to sleep with all the women in the movie. It's, <laughs> it's my. <laughs> it's effectively it. Kind That's of the description. 
description. Yeah, it's it's like it's like Morse with sort of you know uh, numerical sequences, uh, uh, sort of symbolic and, sequences. And all the women of the movie just yeah. kind of are entirely without depth or emotion and are just like, yes, I will sleep with you, for it is important for the plot. But it wasn't it wasn't important to the plot that Elijah Wood sleeps with anyone. No, no, it was the, the whole romance storyline was completely superfluous. But I mean, I think I can see that if you're going to hire Elijah Wood, then he he better, you know, darn as well get his shirt off because otherwise you're going to hire someone else. Change his name now from instead of Elijah Wood, Elijah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Elijah did many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's talk about the plot of the film. It was nonsense. Yeah, the whole setup is this just coincidental deaths occurring here and there, and then so okay, it builds up, but. They try. They almost try and make a theme out of this idea that um, a sequence can be uh, extended in many ways, but all of that is buried under crap. Yeah, and well, so the well, last ten minutes completely undermines the whole rest of the film. We'll come to that in the math zone, I think. Oh, well, the glaring thing for me is Elijah Wood is portrayed as being a very intelligent chap in the film. Okay, so he, you know, is he? Well, I think he, yeah, he's a mathematician. He can, you know, see things and he knows things, and you know, he likes cello music and he knows how to play squash and he works out the angles to play squash in, uh, all by himself. Oh lord, yeah, which is a bit odd playing squash with yourself by you know using the reflective power of the walls. Uh, I thought it was a little <laughs> bit odd, um, but um, the main thing was somebody said to him, "Oh, are you coming for the Guy Fawkes Day?" Um, Celebration. He was yes, like, yes. no, gee, I'm American. I don't know what Guy Fawkes Day is. <laughs> and then, presumably for the American audience, it was explained at length what Guy Fawkes Day was and why everybody was. I mean, I'm sure you on Guy Fawkes Day dress up as Guy Fawkes and go to a cello concert um, with fireworks in it. I mean, that's perfectly normal. <laughs> you know, Guy Again, Fawkes Day. another sort of philosophical bit where they try to get political and, you know, John Hurt saying, Oh, Guy Fawkes, we, we burn him every year. And I don't know whether it's because he tried to blow up Parliament or if he because he didn't. <laughs> so what does that mean? I mean, what does any of... I mean, John, John Hurt um, is obviously an absolutely phenomenal actor and I thought did incredibly well with, with what he had. Yes. and um, But every time he spoke, it was like, is, is math fact? Is life real? And you're just like, who speaks like that? He also had one of my favourite maths movie tropes, which was the four-minute lecture. Oh, the four-minute lecture. Yes, and there was this quote, wasn't it? There is no way of finding a single absolute truth, an irrefutable argument which might help answer the questions of mankind. Philosophy, therefore, is dead, because whereof we cannot speak, thereof we must be silent. No, that, that is Wittgenstein. That's the, the title of his last chapter in his Tractus, the, one, the book that he was talking about. He, he just took that from that. If you went to a maths lecture, would you want your money back if someone was just like, and therefore there is no reality. The end. That's, that's <laughs> not philosophy. I mean, philosophy is what you do when you've, you know, you, you can't do mathematics. There is the old joke. I mean, Ben, do you know this joke that um, the, the, the mathematician only needs three things? Yep. Pencil, paper and a waste paper bin. Yeah. A philosopher only needs two things. Pencil and paper. <laughs> quite right. Yeah, quite right. Um, well, b- before we write off a whole a whole discipline. <laughs> philosophy's all happened now. I mean, the Greeks thought of everything, you know, and they well, could... Let's, let's talk about Wittgenstein, actually, because okay. that's the whole start of the movie. Wittgenstein's whole idea was if you get a complex philosophy that has no answer, you know, it can, you know, what is love? 
then essentially what you're doing is using the words in the wrong way. You know, you can point to an apple and say, that is an apple. Ah. That's using language in the right way. Saying what is love doesn't mean anything. So you get rid of, you get rid of all metaphysical questions Gosh, this got, by just saying that they don't make sense. This got quite deep quite quickly, didn't it? Should so, we talk about having no bra on? I mean, I, no, it's not about having no bra on, Tom. It's about having the wrong bra on. She had no bra on at one point. We do get to see breasts. But but what is a bra? What, what is a bra? Well, again, no, Wittgenstein would say language would have to be useful. So bra is a useful word. You can say, this is a bra, this is a bra. When you say bra, it conjures up an image in your mind. I see. And when you talk to someone about bras, you're trying to get them to have the same image as you. Right. And that's the whole problem with communication is that when you try and translate something to someone else, you have to get them to have the same picture and problems arise when people have different pictures in their heads. There's a place in Italy called Bra. I went. It was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> there's also a village, there's a village in Kent called Thong <laughs> and I've always felt that they should twin <laughs> I also thought the maths was quite simple when Elijah Wood stands up in the um in the lecture and he's like I believe and I wrote yeah. this down I believe in the Fibonacci sequence. I believe in the golden section. Oh, yeah, I believe in pie. Things that you would have learnt about at kind of GCSE. And it's just like, if he was like a proper mathematician, would he really stand up and be like, ah, but what about pie? (laughs) You haven't thought about pie, have you? (laughs) You and Victor. It's like me standing up and being like, ooh, but have you considered a square? It's a four-sided shape where all the sides are the same. And to me, this to me, this movie was a bit like our podcast in that it professes to have like a, you know a genuine mathematical content, but really is a, a, a lot of people talking about boobs and stuff. I mean, it's it's a which one of us is an Elijah Wood? I don't I think any of us is Elijah Wood. Um, okay, and talking like of the weird boobies and they um you know the the totally unnecessary sex scenes. No one was talking about weird boobies. I don't, it was completely relevant. Can we please, just for a moment, sit back and think of the weird creepy spaghetti scene? Oh! Oh! oh. Lorraine hated this. It was amazing. Okay. So, so Elijah Wood is nearly naked, probably due to his contract he's not allowed to take his pants off. And the other girl <laughs> is completely naked. Um, the squash girl, who's normally not wearing a bra, but now she's not... Well, she's wearing an apron at parts of the scene and she's cooking spaghetti. Okay, number one, health and safety. Okay, why? (laughs) Why would you cook spaghetti naked? And two, it spills on her right after she's taken it out of the pan. I, no, 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 it doesn't. No, it doesn't spill. He chucks you know, it on yeah, her. Yes. I mean, I think he, he falls over and chucks it on her or something. And then proceeds to eat it off her in a romantic uh, movie. So, now, in, um, in, if, if you are a fan of other podcasts, um, there's a podcast called uh, My Dad Wrote a, Wrote a Porno, which is very good. But there is there is a chapter where um, there is a sex scene involving spaghetti. Is there? I, I can't remember that one. I it, have to go back and it is that. one of the most revolting things I've ever heard, and <laughs> I, I like I, I really enjoyed the podcast, and I've listened to it again and again. But I actually can't can't listen to that episode of it because I found it so completely repulsive. Uh, also, if you're going to eat pasta or something, you're not going to do spaghetti. You're going to be like fusilli or maybe macaroni or something like that. Yeah, 
I mean, use a use a sensible type of pasta. Welcome, welcome, listeners, to the middle middle class <laughs> podcast where we discuss what pasta you should eat off a naked body. Well, I, I think the problem here is that this film has got so little plot that we're, we're basically filling this. <laughs> so uh, kind of are. We kind of are. Do you think there's a way to sensibly mathematically order the pastas? That is a damn good question. I know all pasta shapes have like a number. Oh, really? I didn't know that. So they have that. Well, okay, but there is like, you know, if you say penne, then every manufactured penne makes the same shape. That's defined in, you know, Italian culinary law or or whatever defined. So, so, you know, could we could we come up with some strict ordering of the pasta? What about by surface area? Well, you certainly do. But this is my question. Could we invent new pastas because people aren't trying to innovate? Oh, my God, mathematical pasta. Mathem- we could 3D print. We've gone off on a tangent here. Let's go to the math zone. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Alphabetti spaghetti, but with mathematical symbols. It must oh, be done. The Greek, the Greek alphabet. Surely the Greeks have sp- alphabetti spaghetti. Oh, I'm Googling it right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Big news, big news, big news. The internet seems to imply... That um, uh, there is only alphabeti spaghetti in, in English. English, so there's po- a whole and possibly, gap in the and possibly and possibly Cyrillic. So <laughs> we may have invented something new. <laughs> However, wait for it. There is a Greek alphabet soup. Wait, what? Yeah. So, a so Greek it's not a spaghetti. Alph- it is. What, what are the what are the letters made out of? Oh, I don't know. I can't read Greek. <laughs> Can I even read best? <laughs> oh, okay, okay, we're good. We're going to do it. We're going to write to um, Heinz and we're going to say... So maths, that, maths um, you at can the make... kitchen. We'll, we, will, we will get a can of alphabeti spaghetti, yeah. Greek soup, and we'll eat them all and we will review them. Excellent. Can you imagine how many you'd sell to sort of, you know, maths parties and maths conferences? Oh, they would dinners? love it. They would absolutely Wouldn't it be great? Because then you wouldn't have to talk to people and you could prove you theorems with prove your theorems food. theorems in your soup. But everyone will be looking for, like, the Sigmas and the integral signs. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Trademark, 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 copyright, copyright, trademark. That's our idea. Don't put put this out until we've got, (laughs) oh, genius. Should we go into business doing uh, maths conferences, doing, like, the entertainment for maths conferences, which will just be entertainment where people don't have to speak to each other? That Um, does exist. But but your food is math-shaped. No, this does exist. Entertainment at maths conferences is normally painful. It really is. Um, it really is. Oh, it's just hilarious. Somebody will get up and do like a mathematical card trick. Oh, God, someone it's... did. Oh, no, no. Oh, God, I remember one of those. <laughs> and they always go wrong. That's the best bit. Yeah, mathematicians should not socialise um, or do podcasts. But right, so let's go back right. to the point you so, were making, and... though. Should we go into business? Because there is a gap in the market here. I like it. <laughs> well, let's speak to our lawyers first and see what we could do. Can we please go to the bath zone? There wasn't a ton of maths in this, but anyway. Um, so um, let's start with series. So in the in the film, um, there is a series which is made up of symbols, and they eventually realise that it's the numbers represented by Pythagorean. Is that true? I did. I forgot to look this up. Is that Ben? Did you look this up? I've never seen I've that never, before in my life. I've never seen these before in my life. So, I've got two questions about series. Okay. The first one is, what's your favourite series and why? Ooh. Oh. My favourite series is the self-descriptive series. So, the numbers essentially describe themselves. So, you start off with one, and you have one, one. Right. So, the first the first number is one. And then, how many are there? There's one, one. So, you get 11. And then there's two ones. So, you get two, one, one. But then there's one, two... 
one, one, and then you make up the numbers by explaining what each number means. I'll write it on the blog, don't worry. <laughs> My favourite series? Mm-hmm. EastEnders. <laughs> Love it. Not cup of tea and a biscuit. Who has a favourite series? Tom. I, 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 you weirdo. I, I, it's really quite a nice one. It's really quite fun. I think my favourite series is one plus a half plus a quarter plus an eight. Oh, that is good. That is good. Because you can you can show it adds to two. So it's something that goes on forever. Um, but it um, it will add up to And I've, I've actually made a faux pas. So Ben's actually right. That's a series. What I gave was a sequence. Oh. Okay. Talk good. me through it. I, I remember this from my... I, I did a chapter in my maths A-level, and I remember it was like chapter six of my textbook, and it was sequences and series, and I really liked yeah. it, but I can't remember anything else about it. I mean, it, it's a very simple difference. A sequence is a, just a sequence of numbers. It's one, two, three, four. A series is then them added up. Okay. And the total is A over one minus R? Is that a thing? Oh, that's the geometrics. Well done. You pulled that straight out of your mind. Well done. There are are many different types of series. So that's the geometric series. You could have an algebraic series. You could have um, hypergeometric series. You can have Taylor series. There's a whole load. What's a hypergeometric series? So it's like it's like a geometric series with an extra term in it. It's something on a a bit of a bit of acid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my next question about series so in the film, John Hurt says, um, if you've got a series, I could make up a rule that would justify any next term. Yes. Yep. Yes. Is that true? Yes. Very true. That would also apply to all the previous ones. It, yeah. Because, I mean, there's a thing, essentially, the way you could do it, I'm not suggesting that you could make it as complicated as you like by creating a spline. A spline will take any points you give it and fit a curve through it. So it will be crazily wiggly. But you will have a function at the end, a well-defined algebraic function, which if you put your numbers in, it will give you the next uh, term in the, se- the sequence. Okay, so I'm going to put this to the test. Um, oh, you want us to do it? Oh, correct. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, okay. So, no, 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 no. Not using, not just using oh, your brain. Right, fine. I'm going to give you easy can ones. I, before you do this, there, there is a thing called the Online Integer Sequences Database where if you put the first few numbers of any sequence in, it will give you a whole load of sequences that are interesting that carry on from that sequence. How interesting do you think I would find them? I, I've actually got a book of this. Lorraine sent it around America, getting it signed by the two authors, Mark Sloan and Simon Plouffe, I think it was. Oh, he wrote letters pretending they were from his wife and sent them to people. <laughs> <laughs> My husband would like... Lots of love, Lorraine, with a little heart over the eye, because he thinks that's how women write. Well, the, 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 any sequence does not determine the next uh, entry, but normally we use Occam's razor. But anyway, Liz, you have a you have a sequence you want to give us. Well, I don't. I'm just making them up. But, oh, right, okay. um, so, one, two, three, ten. One, two, three, ten. I'm I'm going to leave that as a uh, as a challenge for you both. <laughs> Um, I want I want answers next week of of how okay, you would I, get. I could I can do this one two three ten and I will give you the next. I, in fact, I will produce two. I will produce two uh, algebraic examples of how that could be extended. Okay, good. There's there's a challenge. Let's talk about Fermat's last theorem or Bormat's Bormat's theorem. Are they the same person? I don't understand. I, I wondered if they couldn't use Andrew Wiles' name or something. Uh, well, I think because they had the actor in there, they probably couldn't, you know, say that this is a, this is a real person. 
So that would have been a problem. But it was obviously meant to be Fermat. I mean, the, the weird thing is that who, who did they say solved it? What was the name? Um, instead of saying Andrew Wiles, they use Henry Professor Wilkins, Wilkins or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, really? I mean, you know, Fermat's last theorem, every, every you know, school child knows, which is Fermat claimed that a particular thing, and he wrote in the margin of his book, um, I have a very, very easy proof for this, but it won't fit in the margin of this book. Um, and then died without actually writing it out. <laughs> and the thing he proved was that a a squared plus b squared equals c squared in only when the close. I mean that that's Pythagoras. So Pythagoras yeah. works. So if you change the twos for something else, so a to the n plus b to the n equals c to the n. Yeah. Um, that works if um, you put n equals two. Yeah. But the the claim is that you can't do it for n greater than or equal to two for integers n integers uh, yeah for for a b and c being integers. so if for a, a there's no there's no integer solution for a cubed plus b cubed equals c cubed you can't find a a b and c which satisfy that okay yes. or for yeah four or five say anything yeah. like that and this seems like it should be really easy um, and it baffled mathematicians for absolutely donkey's years couple of hundred years until andrew wells came along and um, and didn't do it in the way that was done in the film, out of interest. Um, they did, uh, he was presenting at a, a seminar series at the Isaac Newton Centre in Cambridge in, yes, from yes. memory, the late 90s. And, it, you know, it was it was just a standard conference and there were a few people in the room that sort of shared his research interests and he was giving a series of seminars and he started off with something, uh, you know, completely irrelevant and over the next sort of, you know, few hours sort of wrote all these things down and eventually wrote down this statement of Fermat's Last Theorem. And everyone in the room went, bloody hell, he's just proved out Fermat's Last Theorem. Um, well, and I believe, well. And he didn't. So he, 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 published, did, he did make a mistake. He did. He published the proof, mistake. and he made a mistake. And you know, we all make mistakes. You know, we all do. To, There's nothing wrong with that. Agreeing to do this podcast was one of them for me. <laughs> um, uh, but somebody pointed out how he could actually manage to correct this proof, yep. and he corrected the proof, and it has gone through peer review, so people believe it's um, it's a true proof, and it's an amazing proof because you know, a to the n plus b to the n equals c to the n is obviously something in number theory. But you know, he's gone through regions I don't even understand. I never even knew existed in mathematics. I mean, in order if, you, to prove if, this if, is the, if the listener is interested in learning more about Fermat's Last Theorem, the best uh, way we can suggest doing it is going to read Simon Singh's book called Fermat's Last Theorem. It is a wonderful book. Um, it, it, it's really written as sort of a, as an adventure story almost, and you get an idea. Even though it's this most complex proof, he writes it in such a way that you get each step of the way, and so by the end. You kind of do understand what he did, but you've you've met him, haven't you, Tony? He's, I'm, he's, I'm, he's of, a loads of he's he, he's around all the time in Oxen, and he's not flashy. He's not a sort of oh no know, no he's no, not no. Like... he's not no. To go back to the Lewis episode I was mentioning, what was interesting is you could tell who the actors were because they were all well groomed and wearing sub fusk, which is the black gowns and things, which they don't do in Cambridge, by the way, because because they're such a thoroughly modern institution. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. So Andrew Wells had this walk-on part, and he was wearing trainers. So Andrew Wells was in. It was in this film we've just watched. No, no, in, in the Lewis episode, my mum was in. My mum's Lewis episode. Andrew Wells <laughs> makes an appearance. But I, this is what this is what I love about mathematics: is you go, you start off trying to prove something which is you know very concrete and very easy, and you just sort of go off into flights of fantasy. So you know, you you know, you you you, you draw a diagram, yep. and yep. it shows that you know what you wanted to do was the right thing to start with. If in doubt, draw a diagram. 
Well, this is always the best kind of maths. Is 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 if an incredibly difficult idea, but then simplify it through just by changing how you look at it. That is that's when you do have a beautiful theory. Liz, we'll play a game. Okay. We will take the numbers one, two, nine. One, oh, two, three, four, you. five, six, seven, oh, eight, nine. Yep. Okay. And what we're going to do is we're going to play a game where we can each choose a number, one to nine. Once it's chosen, the other person can't take it. Okay. And the idea is you have to make 15 in exactly three numbers. So you can't have six and nine. That does make 15, but you have to do it in, say, uh, nine, one, and five. If you've got nine, one, five, and six, you've still got nine, one, and five, and you've got the six left over. I see. Okay. So I can, yeah. So I can, I can essentially discard one of my numbers. Exactly, but I can't take it. You, even if you can, do, even if you discard it, I can't take it. Okay, so would you like to go first or second? Uh, oh, do you know what? I would like to go first, which makes me think it's probably worse to go first. I'm going to let you go first. You want me oh. to go first? <laughs> oh, tactics. Uh, <laughs> is it better or worse to go first? You can always tend to a draw. I will tell you that. Okay. So it doesn't really matter who's go first. But so, do you want to go first or second? Uh, no, I want to go second. You want to go second, right? I will choose five. So I'm going to cross five off the list. So you can have one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine. Seven. Okay. And then I shall take eight. What have you got? Five and eight. I've got five and eight. You currently have seven. So I guess I'm obviously going to choose two. You should choose two. Very good. I will choose six. What have you got now? <laughs> I should be right. <laughs> this is much easier in person when you do it, but I've got six, five, and eight. You've got six, five, and eight. So I'm going to choose four. I choose one, and I've got 15 with six, one, and eight. Yeah. So that's a really hard game to do, A, over the internet on Skype, and B, just by thinking about the numbers. But there's a really neat way of seeing it. Instead, what you were doing was trying to add it up in your head. Mm. What I was doing was playing noughts and crosses. It's on a magic square. Ah. So what you do is you arrange your numbers such that each row and column and diagonal adds up to 15 with the numbers 1 to 9. And so all I have to do is find a... I've got a row of of zeros there with 618. And I just have to make sure that, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't win. Next week, listeners, we're going to be playing Connect Four (laughs) on the radio. (laughs) Connect Four on the radio. So, shall I, shall I move yeah, on? Yeah, move on, move on, please. Um, and I've, I've got to my final maths question, which is, so I've, in the last few weeks, I've, I've been trying to kind of start with the smaller questions. Yeah, and then build us up. And then kind of build us up to the sort of less, ones that are sort of less about specific maths and more about the principles of mathematics. And this is just to ask about logic. Oh. And is logic the same as mathematics? And if not, what is it? And can you have mathematics without logic? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, my word. So I would say that uh, logic is certainly one of the fundamental elements that underlies mathematics, but the two things are separate. You know, mathematics essentially started with triangles, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it began with a line and a point. Yeah, a line and a point, you know, Euclid, and um, people were trying to do things about triangles. And, you know, we started with triangles and then, you know, number theory became popular. So there's been various passions throughout mathematics. Um, in, I guess, the early 20th century, um, people started to be a bit more philosophical about mathematics, yeah. which was, yeah. well, you know, is mathematics entirely self-consistent? 
So can we use mathematics in order to uh, yeah, prove everything about the world? Okay, but also so like, before that, can we prove that mathematics works? Because we're, up until now, we've been using it. Yeah, okay. But how so, do we know we haven't found an error in it yet? So, you know, but it's mathematics. One is itself consistent. So are there any you know problems with mathematics? But, you know, can we start with a very simple series of beliefs? You know, can we start with the fact that, you know, we draw a point and a line and there's only one... Uh, uh, line which runs through that point which is parallel to the original line and come up with everything that mathematics have you know essentially can we start with one plus one equals two and you know, finish with the whole of mathematics okay and it was believed that you could do that we just hadn't done this yet it was believed yeah. that there was sort of some hidden code out there and mathematicians were the, the conduit to this hidden code um and um there was a a group of uh, uh well um so 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 Girdle worked on this there was a guy called Girdle who worked on this who sort of started off trying to prove everything from uh you know from foundations and he managed to show that it couldn't be done so mathematics cannot be used to justify itself um and essentially yeah. Yeah. essentially yeah. how he did it was he sort of said well let's imagine we can do it there's an entirely bigger system of mathematics which we could use to prove it and if we can prove that one there's an entirely bigger system and so mathematics disappears up its own ass <laughs> You could formalise this rigorously. So this is known as Girdle's incompleteness um, theorem, which is mentioned uh, in the uh, uh, in the movie, uh, along with a load of other rubbish, which isn't entirely um, relevant. Um, you've heard of Bertrand Russell, yes? Um, yeah. He was in a film. He was in um, the Ramanujan film. Yeah, he was. The man who knew too much about pie. Yes. Too much about pie, exactly. He ate too much pie. <laughs> so I think the quote in The Oxford Murders was that all Britons are liars obviously being a Briton. Okay. So if I were to say all people who are talking in podcasts about mathematics are liars, <laughs> what does that mean? Am I a liar or am I not a liar? Okay. And it's a paradox. Yeah, so this is Bertrand Russell's paradox. And, exactly. and um, well, actually it's older than that, isn't it? Um, it's all, oh, yeah, Cre- yeah, yeah, yeah. all Cretans are liars. Yeah. And this is exactly the same flavour of Girdle. Okay. Mathematics cannot be used um, entirely consistently. Okay, so um, so mathematics it, it, it can be used consistently. You can just never okay. yes. prove that you're consistent within your own system. So this is actually not dissimilar to some thinking in law. Oh, now it's a, it's been a long time. So um, there there is a school of thought, I think, or was a school of thought that said you could start off with some absolutes, which is that man needs shelter and food and not to be killed or whatever. Yeah. And that from those things, you can reason to a legal system you can or to, to a system that is morally right. OK. And then another guy came along and said, you might be able to do that, but you'd never know whether you've got the right answer. Like, there's not really any way of checking it. Yeah, well, that's, that's exactly it. You can't check within the system you're using. You'd need an outside, a bigger system to check your... So if we took a subsystem of a bigger one, we could say, well, does that still work? Yeah. So that yeah, that's exactly um, pretty much exactly the same. Uh, yeah, it's I, that's that's why I like law. It's quite logical. Well, it should be. Yeah. So I mean, exactly, logic can underlie law. You know, logic can underlie law. Logic can underlie mathematics. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not a philosopher, but I would argue they're two different things. Um, you know, and logic is is just a language that can be used in mathematics. Mathematics. But then is again, then I would say, isn't mathematics just a language? Was it? Are we, are we getting close to the 
discussion of whether maths is created or discovered. Oh, well, yeah. I, I mean, we talked about that. And we, we've been into this in some yes. length. So I, I sort of deliberately didn't go too far into this. But it, it, it is interesting that if you talk about mathematics for long enough, you seem to always come back to. So is this even real? <laughs> well, isn't this the Wikipedia problem that a while ago someone found that if you kept clicking on the first link of every Wikipedia article, you find, and you then click the first link of that, and then there you go. Yeah. You'll always end up back at philosophy. <laughs> okay. Because the idea, the idea is that um, uh, the British language, English, puts a lot of its ideas at the front. So if you keep clicking that first link, you get back to ideas. But in the Japanese language, they put all their ideas at the end. So you have to press the, the last hyperlink. Well, I mean, I thought I'd like the last 10 minutes. I mean, I thought... I thought, I thought that just the, undermined the whole rest of the film. Yes. I think if they'd have shown me the last 10 minutes, I would have been very happy. Oh, okay, um, fine. I agree with that. If, if nothing else, then yes, that would have been yeah, lovely. And, and, and maybe Elijah would play squash, because that was quite fun as well. And <laughs> eating off a naked woman. No, no. I mean, that was Lady in the Tramp gone wrong for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and what, what there should have um, been, there should have been a scene where he takes her out shopping for bras. Squash is one sport that doesn't need optimising. I mean, <laughs> if you want to go and play with angles, why go and play with squash? Um, what game would you play with yeah. angles? Are, are we going to say I... uh, billiards again? Billiards! billiards yes! <laughs> billiards! The thing is, we're getting back to this thing where all films now that we watch about mathematics, it's very difficult to work out what the mathematics are. And I think we do two things now. We either do something really, really stupid that nobody would ever do, like play squash against yourself while marking out the angles in the squash court, or occasionally we just go into long rants about Wittgenstein, which we know nobody's going to understand, but sounds quite clever. And there's no... There's no so I, I think we're feeling at doing a public service in this podcast by sort of, you know, filling the gap between, you know, movies and mathematics. Well, we're, I think we're kind what of... we're trying to do is, is show that the movies that pretend to be all high and mighty about mathematics are usually tosh. That was, yes. Well, I'm not sure that's what we're trying to do. I think it's what we may have discussed. <laughs> but I think what we were trying to do was use films with mathematics in them as a, as a way of... of Making mathematics more interesting and accessible. Yes, yes. Yeah. we may have failed to do. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 agree. I agree. I agree. And with that, shall we go to the puzzle zone? The puzzle zone. Ooh, yeah, uh, I, I forgot that was. Yeah, zone. you have a different zone. <laughs> so, in the podcast for Flatland, I asked the question: What is six over two times three? We'll use that one because it doesn't matter. Liz, what is six, six over two over times? Six over two three? times. So hang on, it is nine. Could be, or it could be one. But what about bod mass? Ah, this is the thing. People learn bod mass or PEMDAS and they apply it to situations which are ambiguous. So in the way I said it, six divided by two times three, you can't tell if that three is multiplying the six or the two. So it's ambiguous. But you would have put brackets around. Well, it. I could have done. I could have said six. Divided by two, uh, sorry, sorry, six divided by parentheses, two times three, end parentheses. Or I could have said yeah. three times six divided by two. There are so many ways I could have made that clear. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because this makes the rounds all over oh, the internet. It's I on hate Facebook. It. It's, I hate I, it. I, I was actually on the radio with uh, Simon Mayo talking about this. Were you? And, yes, I was, yeah. And, and he asked me the question, which one is it? And I said, well, both are correct. Neither are correct. It's ambiguous. There is, there's no reason to choose one over the other except in the context of where you're using it. Yeah. And he kept saying, but which one's right? 
Neither. Both. No, no, no. Which one's right? One. Okay, fine. One. And then until I gave him this answer, he would not leave me alone. Why have we got Bodmas? Well, Bodmas works when the it, the phrase isn't ambiguous. By ambiguous, do you just mean spoken? Well, it could be. You can you can write it down ambiguously as well. In this case, it was ambiguous because I spoke. I, I said it, but you can also write it down such that you can't tell whether the three is multiplying the whole fraction or just the bottom. So. Um... Anytime you do anything, write down your assumptions at the top of your paper, <laughs> students. Okay, um, and I think you should. I think you should always do that. As a, like I went to a, a coffee shop today, and there were, I was the only person in the coffee shop. Um, and there I were, there paid, were no staff. No, there, there was no like customers. There were two staff right. and one customer. Um, I went in and I said to the guy, "Can I have a cup of tea, please?" And he was like, "Fine." Took the money and he said, "Your tea will be over there." I was like, well, why can't you just bring it here? And it, it was a significant, like, 10 metre walk to the other end of the counter. And I was like, why are you doing that? So like, oh, that's the way we do it. And I was like, well, this wasn't my assumption. My assumption was I give you money, you give me tea. You know, next time maybe I'll pay you a Polish lottery. I think, I think the point Ben is trying to make that applying rigorous rules to all situations don't work. Yeah, As the classic expect- phrase says, rules are made to be broken. Except the rule which never use spaghetti when having sex. <laughs> Unless you're Italian, that's probably okay. Fair enough. So Ben, you also <laughs> had a question from your Christmas podcast. How many legs do you think there are in the 12 days of Christmas? Have a stab in the dark. Just you know. The short answer is that I don't know. But what I do know, because I remember it from last time, is that there are 364 gifts in Very total. Good. Yes, yes, yes. Which include people, which not really okay. But <laughs> well, I think anyway. it's the event of the um, pipers coming around and piping for you. You don't get to keep the pipers. Oh, I, I thought they were just sort of. I put them in a cupboard <laughs> and then I sort of had to deal with them. Although someone um, did make a good suggestion that it's actually a good recipe for starting a zoo. Yes. Um. So I'm going to assume that they have an average number of legs of. Well, I'd say about three, because you've got animals with four, and humans with two, and birds. How many animals with four? Because you've got... Have you got any animals so with four the difficult bit about the difficult bit about this puzzle is day eight, where we have the eight maids of milking. So are we counting okay. the stools? Oh, and they have stools. So they may... They, they have... Um, uh, oh, they've got cows! Two legs on the milkmaid. Four legs on the cow. Three legs on the stool, and four legs mm-hmm. on a cow. Now, you didn't say they were milking cows. What else are they going to do? I mean, goats have fought. fish. They could have been milking each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is why. Wow, that to... takes a turn. <laughs> this is maybe maybe they're playing squash. Um, this is uh, um, <laughs> this is why you need this is why this is why you need to state your assumptions at the top of the paper. <laughs> Come on, Liz, give us a give us a stab in the dark. Pregnant women. Maybe, oh, okay, so. Well, in that case, let's say they've got an average number of three legs, yeah. so about 900. Yeah, then. very good. 928. If you assume Yay! that they're well milking done. four-legged animals, for example, cows or goats, <laughs> off a three-legged stall. Uh, right, so Ben, it's your turn to pose the problem. Oh, yes. Um, okay, so I, here's a problem, uh, which is quite an old problem. Um, and I'll attribute it properly. You're quite an old problem, when we <laughs> Yeah, thank you very much. Okay. Um, so, um, there's, there's a little boy. 
Oh, little girl. I don't mind. And he wants to go out and uh, play with his friends. And his mother and father both play chess. Okay. But the mother is like a grand master of chess. And the father is sort of okay at chess. Okay? Okay. And he has to play either the mother, then the father, then the mother. So the good player, the okay player, and the good player. Or he can play... The father, then the mother, then the father. So the bad player, the good player, and then the bad player. Right. And he has to win two games in a row before he's allowed to go outside and play. Ben, Ben, just to clarify them. Um, child wants to go out to play, but before he goes out to play, or she goes yep. out to play, has to play the parents at chess. Yes. And the child has two options. It yep. can play the mother, father, mother, yep. or, or father, father, mother, father. Mother, father. And he has to win, she has to win two games before he can go out. Yes, in a row. And what's the best option? Yeah, so should 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 the child play mother, father, mother, or father, mother, father? And what we're saying is okay. the mother is the better player. Yeah, so the probability of the mother uh, winning is more than the probability of the father winning, to be precise about this. This is a good question. I don't can know I the answer Can I ask a question? Yes. Can I ask a question? Yes. How good is the kid? That's a good um, question. So the kid has the kid has a fixed probability of winning against the father, and that probability is mm-hmm. lower than the probability of winning against the mother. And it turns out it doesn't matter how good the kid is. Hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Then, I, will, I will think. I will ruminate on that. That's a good um, question, Ben. Let, let's let's just say that the probability of the kid winning against both is somewhere between zero and one. That's a it good just, good way. Just to just to avoid any. Um, I, I don't think it. I don't think it matters, but I think let's let's avoid ambiguity. Let's stay to assumptions at the top. <laughs> the, the child is sitting on a five-legged stool. Yeah. So what's what's and nice about this problem, and I'll, get, I'll give a hint, is that there is an entirely um, uh, sort of hand-wavy uh, explanation for this that probably anyone could get. And if you've done a bit of probability at, at school or at university, then you could probably write down some equations and also get the answer. Okay, so listeners, if you have any idea, because I've got to say I'm stumped. Liz, any ideas from you? No. Nothing yet? Okay. So listeners, if you have any ideas, uh, you can tweet at us, podcast MathsAt. You can go to the website, uh, mathsat.co.uk. You can go to Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash mathsat. You can email us, mathsat.gmail.com. We mathsat. Anywhere oh, you look, we're at oh, mathsat. I'll call Thomas Worthy on 0898. <laughs> 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 Um, and with that, shall we go to the final score zone? Oh, the final score. Ben, would you like to kick us off with a random scale and a random point upon that scale? As we've learnt that basically I could pick any number I like and pick a score within that number because it would be <laughs> just as meaningless. Um, so uh, I'm going to pick 10 because, you know, why not? That's the number of the uh, Pythagorean creed or whatever it was that we learnt in the film. And um, that's out of... Oh, so sorry, my, my marks are going to be out of 10. Um, or whatever you like, really, because nobody actually really cares what our numerical values are. Look, I, I mean, I I am forced to watch murder mysteries. Frankly, I don't like them. And the reason I don't like them is because the best type of murder mysteries are Columbo. Okay. <laughs> You know what happens, and you spend the rest of the movie trying to prove it. Okay, and that's how mathematical movies. Yeah, that's how mathematic movies should work. Um, So, uh, uh, for me, this movie, 
everyone was acting very well, but just not necessarily with each other. Um, <laughs> the mathematics was lame. It was vacuous. Yeah. Um, uh, I, you know, uh, I did like Carson popping up as the police inspector, Carson from Downton Abbey. So it was nice to see oh, him. Oh yes, was, that was, I d- he had a great mustache. Nice to see some Wonderful old friends. Mustache. Uh, but frankly, of all the movies we've watched, uh, this was probably the worst. So I'm going to worse give it worse than Pie. Yeah, I'm going to give it 14 oh. out of 10. Um, and the mathematics, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to give uh, minus five out of 10. Okay, okay, Liz, what are your thoughts? I do genuinely feel quite guilty slagging off films because someone must have put their heart and soul into it. But no one in this film is doing badly. John Hurt, Elijah Wood, you know, they're all doing well. And I thought it was really quite bad. Um, (laughs) I I enjoyed it not very much. Um, It it was, yeah, it, it was sort of, bits of it were almost sort of I almost kept expecting expecting bits of the set to fall down and stuff, and it to be a bit of a spoof. Yes, yes, it was very cheap looking. Wasn't and it, it? Well, it was, but it was just kind of people would be like, "Oh, hello, why are you here? Why I am the new tenant Lots here? Of exposition. Are you here for mathematical reasons? Yes, I am here for mathematical reasons. However, did you know? Well, I just knew. It was like it was like there was kind of about five minutes of script, and the rest of it was just kind of random exposition. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I'm going to give it. Um, I'm going to mark it out of Cosmos, which I think is four in the Pyrag- Pythagorean symbol. Okay, yeah. And I'm going to give it Unity, which I think is one. Wow. <laughs> I like how we don't even know, even after watching the film. But no, I, I completely agree with you. It was a mess. It was. It, it, they just had random scenes and there was no connective tissue. So you don't know how people knew each other or how they met each other or how they came to conclusions they did. It was just, here's a thing, here's a coincidence and here's the next thing. And it, oh. <laughs> Hold on. I am a nurse. So I know that Pythagoras yes! oh, wanted God, to take, that, yeah. take lungs out of people with disabilities. I mean, it was, and, and here is a book where that is described. It's, <laughs> I mean, yeah, so one thing after another... I, I'm sure that somebody made a lot of money out of this somewhere. You can't have made a bad film this bad and not made some money. Um, so I'm going to give um, my marks out of 104, which is the number of minutes of my life wasted on this film. And I'm going to give it... No, oh, zero. Zero. Just, just <laughs> utterly zero. And yeah, in terms of the mathematics, I, I chose this film. I'm very sorry. It has to be zero again. Oh... Zero, zero. I don't think... I, I, it, well, the thing is, with Pi, at least it was trying to be weird. This wasn't being weird. This was just bad. So I think the thing with Pi was Pi sort of succeeded in... Pi did what it meant to do quite well. Be wanky. Yeah. <laughs> this is our ninth podcast. Hooray! Um, our tenth podcast is going to be Interstellar. So join us then. Uh, have a watch of Interstellar and join us and we'll talk about that. And being our tenth, we're going to have... A super secret special guest again. No way. Yes. Is it James Grimes again? James Grimes again. He doesn't know it yet, but it will be James Grimes again. <laughs> and the interesting thing is he knows nothing about this, I assume. Well, but I bet he does. The thing is, I bet he does know. Yeah, I bet he does. We'll have him back one day. 
We're, he's a lovely guy. We'll have him back, certainly. Um, but until then, do we have anything more to say about this rubbish film? No. No. Uh, no, <laughs> no I, done. I'd rather move on with my life and stop thinking about the Oxford murders. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> no, that's it. We're done. Good night. And with that, I have been Thomas Woolley. I have been Liz. <laughs> and I have been Lorraine inexplicably <laughs> and I have been an arbitrary next term <laughs> with that good night from maths at winning at maths losing at life goodbye bye <laughs> this podcast is a random walks production performed by Thomas Woolley Ben Parker and the enigmatic Liz intro and outro music was clonky donkey by Nikolai Heidlas and the incidental stings were cartoon bank heist from YouTube audio library <laughs> <laughs>